coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. I'm, I am married to someone who I know will serve me for the rest of her life, and I'll serve her the rest of my life. What a great marriage. But when a person will not serve, they're either dominating the relationship or they think they're too good for it. Just come up with a plan. Don't make it a, you know, you better or you can't or, you know, serve me or be my slave. It's, it's you know, you're a team. And let's share this and let's figure out a way that we can both uh, interact in this and come out with the best solutions. The concept of serving Karen was the furthest thing from my mind when I got married. I mean, it was a shock to me that she would even expect me to do anything. Now, I want you to listen to me. In John 13, in John 13, Jesus was sitting at the Last Supper. He was about to be crucified in a few hours. Okay. He was sitting at the table with the disciples at the Last Supper. Anybody know what the disciples were talking about at the Last Supper? Which of them was the greatest? Jesus was in his last hours, his last event with them before his death. And they're all sitting at the table talking about which one's the greatest. And Jesus got up from the table, took off his outer garment, girded himself, and began to wash their feet, and it was detestable to them. And here's what Jesus said. The servant is the greatest of all. You don't lord over each other like the unbelievers. But the servant is the greatest of all. Did you know the greatest business is always the business that serves people the most? The most successful businesses are always those that serve people in the best way. When Jesus said the servant is the greatest of all, that's exactly what he meant. Constantly serving each other is the secret of a great marriage. But when many people are dating, basically they're looking for someone to serve them. They're, they're looking for a person. It's a tryout to see how good you are at serving me. And what happens in dating is we do serve each other. We're very aggressive at serving each other. So we're under the mindset that says this is just going to continue into marriage. And a lot of times we're in for a, you know, a, a harsh reality. Here's, here's why serving each other is so important. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Now. The first is equality. The person who doesn't serve in a marriage is typically trying to dominate the relationship. Or they're checked out emotionally. When Karen and I got married, I was dominant. And I wanted Karen to serve me. I did not serve my wife. And I was dominant in the relationship. Men and women are absolutely equal. And if your marriage is going to work, you're going to have to serve your spouse. And serving shows your spouse, I'm not better than you. Number two is humility. We're naturally prideful. All of us have pride issues in our lives. Men and women, this is universal. Karen, you know, Karen wants me to do something. She wants me to change the light bulb. She wants me to get the groceries out of the car. She wants me to fold the clothes. You know, she'll just walk by the dryer and say, there's a load of clothes in there. Would you mind folding them? You know, and I just want to say, you're talking to an anointed man of God here. Excuse me. <laughs> I spend every day fighting evil. You know, I mean, <laughs> these hands were made to pray for the sick, not to fold clothes. <laughs> and excuse me. And she'll just walk by and say, would you fold those clothes? I fold clothes. I vacuum. I wash dishes. I don't cook for health and safety reasons. <laughs> I, I've learned not to do that. The neighbors asked me not to. But I serve my wife. 
I have an office at home, and it's above our garage, and Karen will be coming down the street with groceries, and she'll call me and say, I'm about to pull in the garage. Show up. <laughs> and she'll pull in the garage, and I'll go down and haul stuff in. I, toting and fetching is one of the things I am so good at. <laughs> That's what I do all day long. And when Karen wants me to do something, I do it with a good attitude because I'm there to serve her. I'm a servant, and I'm there to serve my wife. And so it keeps me humble. I'm not too good for that, and I'm not better than she is. She is equal with me. I'm equal with her, and God has called me to serve my wife. And let me just say, after 40 years, we have a great marriage. We serve each other. I'm, I am married to someone who I know will serve me for the rest of her life, and I'll serve her the rest of my life. What a great marriage. But when a person will not serve, they're either dominating the relationship or they think they're too good for it. And let, me, let me say this. One of the worst marriages I've ever seen were two, were, was a wealthy couple, and everything they wanted done, they hired, and they wouldn't do for each other. Doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how many people you have helping you. You need to serve each other from the time you wake up till the time you go to bed. It's about, it's about helping each other. It's about being a part of each other's lives. The third reason that we serve is intimacy. Jesus said in Matthew 6, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The meaning of that is wherever you're investing yourself, that's where your passion will be. If you're only investing yourself in work or the children or something else, your passion is going to be there. But because I'm constantly investing in Karen, it means I keep being passionate. There's no, there's no trick to this. Wherever you're investing yourself, your passion is going to be there. Jesus said you can't separate it. You can't give your treasure over here and have your passion over here. So if you're serving kids all day long, if you're serving other people all day long, if you're serving yourself all day long and you're not serving your spouse, the, the passion is going to fizzle. But when you're constantly serving your spouse, it means we're going to be intimate. We're sharing. I'm sharing my life with you. You know, we're going to go out and when we, we used to mow the yard, we hire yard work done. They thank God. But <laughs> when we used to do the yard, we used to mow the yard. Karen mowed, which I loved. It was great for her figure. And uh, <laughs> Karen mowed, and I edged and cleaned up. And so Karen would get out with the mower, and she, she was a great mower, and she would mow. And I'd come behind her, and I would edge the yard and clean up and do all that kind of stuff. But we did it together. And there's just something about doing it together. One person's washing the dishes, next person's drying the dishes. One person's sweeping, the other person's you know, cleaning it up or whatever. Is It's about sharing. And intimacy in marriage, You know, there's, there's so much pie in the sky stuff about intimacy. It happens when you're doing life together. And Karen and I just, we do life together. We love being together. We love serving each other. Intimacy. And the last thing is this destiny. You'll never reach your destiny. God looked at Adam by himself in Genesis 2.18, and he said it's not good for him to be alone. He needs a helper. He needs someone to serve. And, of course, in Ephesians 5, men are told that we nourish and cherish our wives and lay down our lives for them. And so Karen cannot achieve her destiny without me. She can't. She can't do it. And I'm saying if, if God called her to be single, obviously God can do anything. But he put me in her life to serve her to get to her destiny. I can't get to my destiny without Karen serving me. That's why God said it wasn't good for a man to be alone. Every, every good thing happens in marriage when you're serving each other. E equality, humility, intimacy, destiny. But some people have stinking thinking. They have toxic thoughts 
in their minds that keep them from serving like this. But man, I work all day and when I get home, I should be served. That was, that was me. That's, that's the chauvinistic way of thinking. No, you went and made money all day long. Now when you come home, you have another set of responsibilities. Part of which is to serve your family and to serve your wife. You're not off when you get home. You're a husband now. You were something else when you were at work. A woman sometimes. I work all day. I serve the kids in the house. You serve me and the kids. And while you're at it, serve yourself. I'm too tired to serve you. Okay. Well, let me say this. If a husband's not helping her, you're putting a tremendous strain on her. But part of what a husband does when he gets home is to say, let me help with the kids. Let me help with dinner. Let me clean up afterwards and give you a break so that you have energy to serve me. But there's no, you can't, there's no excuse not to serve your spouse, regardless of how hard you work or how many kids you have. Number three, I served you while we were dating, now we're married. Married, married people don't do that. People with bad marriages don't do that. But God said, for this cause a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. And that word cleave means to pursue energetically, and it was addressed to men. That was addressed to men. Men are supposed to be the leaders in this area to serve their wives. Married people, successful people do that in marriage. It's the people with terrible marriages that were in the sprint mentality that don't serve each other. Uh, here, here's a good one. It says, as soon as, as soon as you serve me, I'll serve you. I don't want to be the first because you'll wear me out. That's what I thought about Karen. I thought if I ever show her an ounce of humility and start serving her, she's going to wear me out. I know the sister's been building a list for 10 years. And she's just waiting for that list. But I'll tell you what happened is, see, I like what Joyce Meyer says, the best, the best person does the right thing first. If you're, the if you're the weaker person, you'll wait for your spouse to go first. If you're the stronger person, you'll do it first. And Karen did it first because I was not the best person. She was. And so I'll serve you as soon as you start serving me. How about this? I'm gonna serve you and believe God that as I began to love you and meet your needs, God is gonna move in our marriage. And God's gonna bless us as a result. Rather than two stubborn, prideful people refusing, this was me now, it wasn't Karen, but it was me. Two stubborn, prideful people refusing to do the right thing. And here's, here's another one, and that is Bob doesn't serve his wife and they have a great marriage. You know, I know what Jimmy Evans says, but I'll just tell you, Bob has got a terrific marriage. Every day at work, he tells me how terrific his marriage is. He goes home, his wife waits on him hand and foot, and that's of Jesus. And I want you to go see Bob's marriage counselor. He wants to talk to you. Stop listening to Jimmy Evans. No, just because Bob's wife serves him and Bob doesn't serve her does not mean they have a good marriage. It just means they're willing to live in mediocrity. And his wife is frustrated, her needs are not met, and you can't convince me they're happy. Don't look at other people. Don't, don't look at other people and justify something that you may be doing. Well, I hope you enjoyed that teaching, and I hope that it really ministered to you. Th that comes from a series that I do called Lifelong Love Affair. And it's a series, it's also a book. And right now, for your gift of any amount, we wanna get you the message from the series, The Secret of Lifelong Love. Now, you have to get this on the web. The address is there on the screen right now. For your gift of any amount, go online. We'll get you that CD single of The Secret of Lifelong Love. For your gift right now of $60, we wanna get you the full four-part audio series, Lifelong Love Affair, plus the book, Lifelong Love Affair. Those will bless you, really minister to you, and maybe you can pass it along to someone that you care about to minister their marriage too. For your gift of $110 or more right now, we'll get you the full DVD series, 
four-part lifelong love affair series, plus the book, plus our new Vision Retreat app. We teach every person, part of the lifelong love affair is talking about being married on purpose and having a vision for your marriage. It will transform your marriage. And we will include, with your gift of $110 or more, the Vision Retreat app. It'll work on your phone, your tablet, your computer. It helps you to prepare to have a Vision Retreat, to go on your Vision Retreat, and to follow up afterwards, take your marriage to another level. It's all included. The information is there on your screen of how you can get these important resources. I really want you to get this. It will really help you minister to your marriage. Here's how you can do it. Transform your marriage into a lifelong love affair. For your gift of any amount, we'll send you the CD single, The Secret of Lifelong Love. For your gift of $60 or more, we'll send you the Lifelong Love Affair CD series and book. In this inspiring series, Jimmy reveals how to stay in love for the rest of your life, how to have vision for your marriage, and how to have God's blessing on your relationship. For your gift of $110 or more, you'll receive the DVD series, book, and the Vision Retreat Journey app. This easy-to-follow online experience guides couples through establishing clear vision and setting goals for their marriage and family. And I'm saying you absolutely can have a marriage that gets better and better and better, and you can have a marriage that lasts for the rest of your life. No matter where your marriage is, you can have a lifelong love affair. Experience Jimmy's series today. Well, this program today, this comes from Lifelong Love Affair, the seminar, but it's on serving each other. And you know, the uh, servant spirit in marriage, we can't meet our own needs. And so the only way you're going to have a, a happy marriage is to serve each other. I mean, it, it just is. And Karen, when we got married, you know, mm-hmm. I, that was, I was a chauvinist. So my concept of marriage was for you to take care of me mm-hmm. and to be happy doing that. But that didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so when we serve each other in marriage, marriage works. And we have some questions now from some of our viewers. And most of these questions have to do with serving each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me ask you the first one. Okay. Uh, This is is from one of our viewers that says, Karen, how can I get my husband to understand how much it means when he is humble and serves me? And that's from Cynthia in Minnesota. So she's, she's asking you, how does she... How does she get her husband to be more humble? And I know many times when you told me you like me better when I'm humble, so go ahead. Well, that's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> you just answered for me. <laughs> Thank you. No, but it is true. It's like, you know, when I when you have been humble, I've come back and said, you know, it really means a lot. You yeah. know, I like it when you're humble and you're gentle and you're kind. And um, But who doesn't? I mean, you like it when I'm that way too. You know, so it's not just, you know, when a husband's being humble. I think it's, you know, we should both consider each other you know, and, and value each other better than we value ourselves. You know, we should uh, both look for ways of acts of love towards each other. I mean, it, basically, you know, in marriage, I like to think that we are representing what the Bible says, um, that we're supposed to act as Christians, not only as a, in a church, but as a family, as a member of a family. And I think it's just, it's so refreshing to see couples that, you know, are considerate of each other or they're they uh, value what each other well, has to they, say. They, that's the only that's where great marriages come from. Yeah. Now, I mean, so let's just say that her husband's a, a jerk like I was, and that <laughs> he he's lazy, that he takes her for granted, he doesn't do anything around the house. Should she still serve him? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, but but he's taking advantage of her. Okay, and he's not doing anything. So she's she's saying, how do I communicate with him? I mean, because you did this with me now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I'm saying, how does she communicate with him in the, in him not doing for her what she wants? In other words, he's not humble and he's not a servant. Okay. She continues to serve him and then what? Well, I think she just needs to reaffirm, you know, just continually. You know, it's like you're always saying, a man likes to be praised and honored. Right. You know, just be, just praise him when he does do something. You know, thank yeah. you so much for taking the trash out. That meant so much to me. Yeah. Or, you know, thank you so much for all the hard work you do at, at, on your job. Yeah. You know, it means so much to me that you sacrifice for the family and you work so hard to earn a paycheck for the family. Just find other ways to praise him. And then, um, you know, and that, I think that'll help. Yeah, but let me just answer this from my perspective because that's the way I was. I was not humble and I was not a servant. And Karen did three things. One is she loved me better than I deserved and she did serve me. The second is she told me how she felt. And, you know, she wasn't mean about it, but she was she was direct and she told me. And the third thing is she prayed is because ultimately, Karen, it was God who changed my heart. Mm-hmm. And so for your husband, you know, I'm sure women feel frustrated because it's like he's not getting it. Well, I, I wasn't getting it either. But you were a good example. You were a good communicator and you were a good prayer. Mm-hmm. And that really is what turned me around. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I think I've got a question. <laughs> Sometimes when I try to help my wife around the house, she criticizes the way I'm helping and it makes me want to stop altogether. <laughs> That's from Greg and Uncle. Well, so, so he's helping his wife. And his wife's basically telling him how to help. Okay, my theory on that, Karen, is is that he needs to help her way. First of all, you know, around around the house, I'll just say this related to you is you're just smarter than me. Mm-hmm. You know, you do things around the house. You know, for years I see the way you do things around the house. I'm kind of like, well, why do you do that? And then you'd be gone, and I'd be batching it. And I think, well, this is why she does that. You know, because I did it a different way, and the the, the wall fell down. <laughs> you know, is that you know. You're domestically centered. You know things about the house. The other thing, too, is if I'm serving you, I'm serving you. And I want to do it your way. I want to do it in a way that pleases you. So this this man is saying, I'm helping my wife, but she criticizes me. I think what you ought to say is, honey, is this the way you want it done? And, and serve her. Well, the, let's just go back to the basics of just being a servant. You know, when you hire an employee and they are there to serve you, that employee doesn't have the right to come back and say, I don't like the way you're telling me how to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, it kind of goes back to the first question of being humble. You know, part of the hu- the husband in this situation is the humility that says, okay, help me to learn how to do it your way. Right. You know, instead of feeling like it's a critical thing, but at the same time, the wife may be nagging. You know, she could be a little over overly critical and too nitpicky where it does kind of kill the yeah. spirit of wanting to do something. Well, and, and probably, you know, the, the wife could improve mm-hmm. in her communication skills because she's aggravated with him. But thank God you have a husband helping around the house, <laughs> you know. But but I know with you, Karen, mm-hmm. is that when I'm serving you around the house, I'm serving you around the house. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it in a way that is a blessing to you and it takes pressure off of you. Right. So, so that's the main thing I would say. Okay, here's a question for you. We become so disappointed by marriage and don't care of each other like we should, how can we stop this cycle? So she's saying, this is Brenda from California, and she's saying we're so discouraged mm-hmm. just in marriage in general, we're on our heels. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not doing the right thing. So Well, I think it goes back to what we've said and start doing the passionate things that you used to do before, whether it's dating or, you know, uh, the, the vision retreats are life-changing. You know, if they're at an impasse, another great thing to do is to have a vision retreat that we talk about where you, you go in and you discuss the things that have been disappointing. Vision retreats when you get away, 
go three or four days away and you wake up in the mornings and you pray and you talk about the issues in your marriage that are especially the problem areas of your marriage until you come to an agreement that you believe something the Lord has told you. And you just start discussing those things. You know, what what's brought about this disappointment? You know, what is it that we could do to improve and come, you know, take the time just taking the time to even discuss that is going to be healing, yeah. you know, because a lot of times we get so busy and we keep waiting for the other person right. to do the right thing or the other person to start in, stop, start talking about it right. or to figure out. And, you know, both of you be the initiators. Both of you, you know, be the ones that say, hey, let's just go over this whole thing again and figure out what it is that we've got this impasse about. And, and you know, like you're saying, pray and seek God and find the vision for that area of your, of your marriage. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. And, you know, when you get into, this is the problem. When your marriage needs you the most, sometimes you give it the least. And you're in a crisis. You're both frustrated. You're both disappointed. And, you know, it's the old saying that the best person does the right thing first. One of you is going to have to break the stalemate and to do the right thing first and, and to be the initiator, even if it just means initiating getting counseling and going getting help outside of your marriage. But But everything that Karen just said, I totally agree with, but you know, you know, you're disappointed. You know that you need to do something. You be the person who starts it. You be the person who starts that conversation or suggest that you do go on a vision retreat. You just say, honey, let's get away and let's talk about these things until we come to an agreement, but let's don't live this way any longer. You know, we, we have, we have another question that we're going to answer. We're going to take a break here, but the purpose of this break is we have people who support us monthly that really is so important to our ministry here people who support us every single month to help us come back to you and go across America and around the world helping people in their marriages. And these people we call our rock-solid partners, and they get a special resource that no one else gets. Karen and I are asking you to be a partner with us here on Marriage Today, and here's how you can do it. Going through divorce is a lot to ask of children and often results in years of emotional pain. It's a violent ripping apart of their parents and a sense of abandonment. What sometimes we see as a quick way out can mean complete loss for a child. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. You, you were made for marriage. Marriage Today exists to protect children from the pain of divorce and to steer couples away from marital failure by telling them the truth. When you stand with Marriage Today, your individual effort multiplies with other like-minded partners, and together we can rebuild a legacy of strong families around the world. Choose your level of partnership today and receive immediate access to the video streaming library. Become a rock-solid partner today. Welcome back. Jimmy, we have a question from Shirley, and this is for you. She says, I work at a restaurant. How can I get my husband and kids to understand that when I'm home, I can't wait on them all the time? Well, that's a fair question, but let me, let me kind of go to a principle, Karen, because rather than being specific towards Shirley, is she's saying, you know, I work in a restaurant. I wait on people all day long, and when I get home, I don't want to keep waiting on people. That's what she's saying, and um when you go to work, okay, let's say a man goes to work and he, let's just say he sells all day long or he works in a restaurant all day long mm-hmm. and he's serving, in other words, and he comes home and he says, okay, I just worked all day long and now I'm home and I'm off. Mm-hmm. That's not true. 
it, the most important things that we do, we do at home. Now, children need to be trained to help their parents and to help around the house. Parents shouldn't be working, you know, waiting on their kids all the time. You know, when kids get old, they have energy. You know, I mean, when they're three or four or five years old, they got energy. And that is a natural resource to take full advantage of. And that means they make their beds, mm-hmm. they take out trash, they help in the, the yard. That, I mean, that they're, they fold clothes and things like that. So the children need to be trained. The husband obviously needs to be trained. Mm-hmm. The husband doesn't need to, you know, when his wife walks in the door is to put She's working all day long outside the home, and she walks in, and all the the domestic responsibilities hers. What I'm trying to say is this. It's a shared responsibility. The husband comes home from work. She comes home from work. But they still, the home is the most important thing. So we don't go out and give our best out here and then come home and veg so we can go back out and give it again. We go out and work it out here, and then we come home, and we all have responsibilities that we share. And when they're shared, it's not unfair on anybody. And what I hear Shirley saying is, it's unfair. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm out here in a restaurant working all day long, and I come home, and my husband and my kids are saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. come over here and wait on me." Well, I don't, I don't blame her at all for not liking that. And, and again, Karen, going back earlier in our marriage, I was a male chauvinist pig, and I just thought I go out and work, I come home, I'm off, and there's there's my waitress right there. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of what you've done all day long, that is not fair. And so, Shirley, you need to come home and have time to rest and, and whatever and be waited on yourself. But there are some things, obviously, you're going to still have to do at home with a good attitude and with energy, but your husband and your kids need to check uh, to chip in. Otherwise, it's unfair. Well, and I think that it's, uh, it's being sensitive to each other. Like there's other situations that are probably a little bit different than this one where both do work, yeah. you know, and so they both come home and they both are tired. And, you know, you just need to be sensitive to who's maybe who's the most tired that day yeah. and come up with a plan that through the week, it's kind of like when you plan meals, you know, plan who's going to do the chores yeah. that day, yeah. plan who's going to do the dinner, who's going to do the dishes, you, bet. you know, who's going to put the kids to bed, who's going to, you know, just come up with a plan. Don't make it a, you know, you better or you can't or, you know, serve me or be my slave. It's, it's. You know, you're a team. Right. And so come into it as a team playing, you know, this this sport of chores. Yeah. And let's share this and let's figure out a way that we can both um, interact in this and come out with the best solutions. Marriage is about sharing. Mm-hmm. And when you're sharing life together, you're going to have the best marriage possible. And that means sharing children, sharing chores, sharing responsibilities around the house. And when you're sharing, there's goodwill in a sense that you're serving each other. And that's what this program is about. Glad you joined us today. See you next time right here on Marriage Today. God bless you. Goodbye. Thanks for watching. Follow Marriage Today for more marriage building tips and resources. 